you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a solution for low B1. Zobria. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells to stop functioning properly, resulting in numbness, tingling, burning, and pain in the feet and legs. It may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to improve the functioning of these nerve cells. You can get Zobria risk-free by going to Z-O-B-R-I-A.com. That's Zobria.com and get 20% off with coupon code Hoffman at checkout. This offer is only available to Intelligent Medicine listeners. That's Zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly opportunity to field questions that come from you, our audience. I'm here today with Layla Mutin, who's our nutritionist in residence. You know how it works. Uh, you pose the question. We try to tackle it. And uh, two heads are better than one, I always say. So, Radio program at AOL.com is the place to send questions, and we do have a few questions in the mailbag because a little bit of a holiday hiatus, and now we're back to work with a vengeance. So, yeah. how are you doing? Okay, how are you, Dr. Hoffman? Good, good, good. So, uh, this has been uh, kind of a tumultuous week, mm. you know, with the recitation of um, 9-11, Mm. Uh, particularly moving ceremony this year because it's been yeah. 20 years and sort of highlighted with the uh, end of the war in Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, I think uh, for, for we New Yorkers especially, it's it's an emotional time. It, it is. really is. It is. I can remember where I was 9-11. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I walked out of my apartment in the morning on my way to school to my nutrition classes and there was a stream of smoke. And I, the first thing I said to myself was, who is, what idiot is burning yeah. their garbage? Yeah, yeah. And that it, was the first thing it, I said to that myself. That happens from time to time because sometimes there's like a belch of smoke yeah. from a apartment building where they don't have proper, uh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, air remediation yeah. measures. And then and, when I got up to the subway platform, because yeah. I'm, I'm on the, the L, the 7 train in Queens, and I could see. The first tower yeah. burning. And, you know, similar, uh, and I was in New York too, and I saw yeah. it all. But, you know, there have been so many recitations of what people saw and experienced, and I'm not going to go into what I yeah. experienced that day. But uh, yeah. it was a terrible time. It's in so many years ago, and yet it's, it seems in some ways uh, just like today. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we have, you know, before we get to questions, we want to answer your questions directly. Um we had a question a few weeks ago. Uh, do you recall that question? It was about... Uh... Yes. It was about the use of clear nasal spray. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had done a podcast, I believe, with the CEO yeah. of, of clear nasal spray and that they were seeking FDA approval right, for uh, prevention or uh, treatment against so, COVID. Somebody asked, so what became of that? What became of that? And yeah. my answer was, I don't think much became of that because knowing the way that FDA works, you know, they're not interested in... 
mm-hmm. things that are sort of low-tech therapies uh, or repurposed drugs, you know, like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Yeah. And I'm not saying that those are panaceas, but, you know, there's been sort of a visceral reaction to anything but uh, the most high-tech pharmaceutical uh, innovations. Yeah. So this is simple. It's a nasal spray. So, uh, you know, right after I said that, uh, I came across this article right around uh, Labor Day <laughs> in Newsweek. Now, you, Newsweek used to be a big thing. Yeah, not so anymore. But now it's kind of like, you know. It's like, exactly. But it, it still, it's under the banner of Newsweek. Uh, nasal spray company pushes CDC, FDA to accept its claims to help treat COVID. And um, they say, uh, how can nasal sprays help combat COVID-19? The virus and its variants infect patients primarily by adhering to the nasal membrane as the original source of infection, explains Nathan Jones, chief executive officer of Clear, the Utah-based maker of nasal sprays, as well as an array of dental care products. And researchers who studied the matter said any spray that works by blocking adhesion of the virus in the nasal membrane by physically washing the virus from the nose will likely be effective. Um, and in fact, uh, there's uh, other nasal sprays that have been used, uh, including nasal sprays that uh, contain iodine, iodine you know, uh-huh. being a disinfectant. So anything that washes the nose could be beneficial. Um, the, they, they say in this article, as Biden's speech Thursday evening illustrated, the U.S. approach to COVID has been vaccine-centric. Yeah, it's all about the vaccine. Yep. Uh, that has been immensely frustrating to a company such as Clear, which has been in a year-long dialogue with the Centers for Disease Control and the Food and Drug Administration seeking emergency use authorization for its nasal spray as a COVID treatment. Mm. Uh, in order to make antiviral claims in its advertising and marketing company needs an, an EUA, which is an emergency use authorization yeah. from the FDA. It has also tried to prod the Centers for Disease Control to issue guidance on the use of nasal sprays to blunt the coronavirus's impact. Mm-hmm. So far, Surprise, surprise. Both the FDA and the CDC have resisted these entreaties. Mm-hmm. Duh. Mm-hmm. In a lengthy letter said to the company uh, and seen by Newsweek, um, Sandra Cashman, executive secretary in the office of the chief of staff of the CDC, dismisses one of the independent studies on nasal sprays effectiveness as, quote, small, says it discusses nasal sprays efficacy only in terms of treating symptoms, and, quote, presents no hard evidence in terms of viral load reduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the, they, the company says they submitted multiple studies that says that its spray does help destroy the virus, uh, blah, 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 uh, and that uh, there is a basis for believing that the viral load is concentrated in the nose and upper airways. Anyway, we'll have, uh, we'll have uh, uh, Nathan Jones, Nate Jones, uh, who is CEO of Clear on the program next oh, Monday? Oh, good. To explain this, but you know clearly they've gotten a brush off from the CDC and the FDA. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, look, I think it's courageous of them because sure, uh, you know, it, it's if the dangerous. science shows it, but it's da- the science shows it. I know, it. but it's dangerous to make claims about anything other than you know big mm-hmm. pharmaceutical drugs. You mm-hmm. know, because you get you know, like with they ivermectin, get- I mean, people are being. Yeah. Uh, uh, shamed for using ivermectin. I actually talked to uh, an attorney uh, last night uh, who says that he's he has two cases. One, he's defending a doctor who's being uh, brought up on charges by uh, the federal uh, U.S. attorney 
yeah. for prescribing ivermectin. Not not how, by, how did the Fed get into practices of doctors? I know, I know. It's so ridiculous. He's he he's very confident that he's going to, you know, uh, successfully defend this doctor. Another okay. was a case where a woman was in a hospital, and I think she died, and her family pled with the hospital to administer ivermectin, and they didn't. Oh. So now they're suing the hospital. Look, there's no there's no guarantee that the ivermectin would have saved this woman. Oh, but, I still call that but, malpractice. But it's a it's a it's a freedom of choice issue. Absolutely. You know, it is like why not? I mean, mm-hmm. but to block the use of something, and it's not like uh, she was asking for a horse, uh, you know, uh, uh, deworming. Dewormer. She was asking for you know the the human yeah. uh, pharmaceutical grade ivermectin, which is used frequently in administering uh, yeah you know, to humans. So anyway, this is a hot and heavy issue. Uh, coming back to clear, you know, you sometimes risk the wrath of the powers that be by making claims. You know, by you know, it, it, I think it's a courageous stance. It is a saying. courageous stance, and if the lawyer believes that they have a very good case and that they'll win it, that that's what everybody needs to do. Yeah, it's a whole lot of money to do that, but I'm talking the clear case. I mean, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. clear case is um, is with uh, you know, evidently. The government doesn't want to authorize these um, no, it's uh, seemingly alternative only. therapies. It's a vaccine-centric approach. And, yeah. and again, we're not here to malign the vaccine or to say no. that the vaccine is inefficacious nope. or to say that it inevitably causes horrible side effects. Side mm-hmm. effects do occur. There's no question. I think they acknowledge that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's we need an all-of-the-above approach. And mm-hmm. I, I think we're being very vaccine-centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so this too shall, uh, we shall see. Yeah. What, well, like, what you were about to say, this forward. too shall pass, but who knows? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, this yeah, can yeah, be around. yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. You know, the specter of COVID. Right. Yeah, but let's get to questions. Let's get to questions. This is from Paul. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. I'm a healthy 71-year-old man. I've just read Lifespan, a very inspiring book by the noted Harvard geneticist David Sinclair. What is your feeling regarding prescribing metformin and NMN to possibly reverse the aging process. Okay. So to situate this, yes. uh, David Sinclair is a research scientist who's quite prominent, and uh, he is uh, renowned for his research on sirtuins. Uh, yeah. And uh, one of his, you know, his laboratory was investigating the potential for resveratrol to be not yeah. just an anti-aging therapy, but a therapy against many diseases, against potentially cognitive decline, against heart disease. Mm-hmm. And his lab was so promising that um, GlaxoSmithKline uh, bought mm-hmm. his lab for $700 million, acquired his lab. Yeah. And basically they wrote it off because they could not come up with uh, a designer drug that was better than good old-fashioned resveratrol, which is moderately effective against some of these conditions. Wow. But they were trying to, you know, because you can't patent resveratrol. It's a natural substance, but they wanted to come up with a yeah. drug, you know, that is like an analog or, you know, like... Something patentable to make money an, from. Like an amped up, yeah. maybe more bioavailable, blah, 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 you yeah. know, something. And they it, they, it, it didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sinclair... Uh, Went on to greener pastures. He continues to do research. He's very well respected. Yeah. Um, and uh, so keep going. So yeah, uh, what, what he read the book Lifespan, and what is your feeling regarding prescribing metformin and NMN? 
Okay. So metformin mm-hmm. is a diabetes drug. Yeah. And it seems to work uh, to extend lifespan in animals, experiment animals. There's a study uh, going on at Einstein, which is my uh, medical school, yeah. uh, by Dr. Uh, Barzilay, who is, I think, originally an Israeli, uh, who is studying the older population of the Bronx mm-hmm. to see if they uh, will... And these are non-diabetics. He wants to give them metformin yes. and see if it has a health-promoting and life-extending effect. Yeah. So there is some plausibility to it. It seems to work on something called the AMPK uh, uh, system, which is a system that is uh, related to bodily repair. Mm-hmm. And it also may work on the microbiome. Mm-hmm. So in addition to helping people uh, gain more insulin tolerance... Uh, insulin yeah. sensitivity, yeah. it seems to work on other mechanisms that have to do with aging. Mm-hmm. So I I don't, you know, I mean, I have an opportunity to take uh, metformin, uh, but as a relatively healthy person without diabetes and really good blood sugar, yeah. uh, I'm not going to bother. Right. I'm not sure if uh, it's something that we should put in the drinking water or give right. to people, everybody over the age of 50. It's been used... Uh, it's being used by some as uh, cancer prevention. And then that too. And I do prescribe Which is it. very exciting. I, I prescribe it for certain cancers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think it's a reasonable thing to use to prevent certain cancers, especially ones that are related to insulin-like growth factor. Yes. Uh, which many cancers are. Right, right. Uh, so it might not be as effective for something like lymphoma or leukemia. Uh, or melanoma, mm-hmm. but it might be more effective for those cancers like uh, mm-hmm. pr- you know prostate, breast, colon, pancreatic. Yeah. You know, yeah. there there might be a benefit. Um, so he also mentions nicotinamide mononucleotide right. NMN. NMN. Okay, so the, the, there's a, that's something that works on uh, NAD. NAD. Yeah. And uh, my preferred form of it is uh, is is called uh, nicotinamide riboside. So there's mm-hmm. kind of a war going on, you know. Between the NMN people and the uh, and the nicotinamide riboside people, yeah. as a way of building uh, and supporting NAD, mm-hmm. uh, Sinclair has cast his lot with the NMN people. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that's fine, um, you know, but that doesn't convince me to jump to the NMN people. Right. The research on NMN is a little less uh, robust than the research on uh, on nicotinamide riboside. Yeah. Uh, I think the, there's more mature literature, uh, you know, not mature literature like, you know, uh, a girly magazine, but like it's been going on for longer. Uh-huh. It's mature audiences only. No, that's uh-huh. not it. I mean, I mean that longer research on um, yes. that. And I believe uh, the differences uh, uh, between them, and this is a nice analogy I read online, the difference between uh, nicotinamide riboside and NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide, is that with the mononucleotide, it still needs to be assembled within the cell. Okay. Meaning you have to take your bed and the frame apart before you could move it into the room, and then you have to reassemble right. it. Right. Okay. That's like a, that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an added phase or an right. added uh, thing that needs to happen. Uh, within the cell, which is... Right, and one step even further removed yeah. is you want to go real cheapo, you know, just take some niacinamide, which is vitamin B3, very inexpensive. But then you got a lot of steps. Of, you got to move it through a lot of rooms. Right, to get right, it, right, right, right. Dismantle, reassemble, dismantle, reassemble. This is what we term, you know, bioavailability. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm... Look, I, I have a lot of respect for David Sinclair. 
Yeah. Uh, sometimes there are commercial factors that are involved. He may be compensated as a board member uh, or as the scientific director of NMN. Yeah. And therefore, he has a little bit of a, um, um, shall we say, skin in the game mm-hmm. uh, to promote that product, sure. which is an over-the-counter product. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, the difference between uh, DIM and indole-3-carbonyl. You know, yes. Some people are proponents of methane, and some people say indole-3-carbonyl. These are sources of uh, beneficial um, substances from cabbage family vegetables that may right. have a hormone protective effect. Right. You know. Some may say it's six of one or a half dozen of the other right. kind of thing. Right. Almost. And some products, you know, they, they combine both. You know, yeah. We'll hedge our bets. Right, 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 right. Gotcha. So... Ah, oh, you got it, Dr. Hoffman. That's great. <laughs> what we're talking about is there was an annoying fly in the room. <laughs> you do, do you remember it. when... This is the most impressive thing about President Obama that I ever saw. Is huh. during a press conference, there was a fly circulating around, and he just grabbed it. Oh, he had, really? He had, like, amazing reflexes. Wow. Yeah. I remember... I remember a fly on Mike Pence's head. Oh, that that too. During a debate, I right. think it was. Now, his reflexes were slow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into politics here. No, 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 no. So in a similar vein, we have another question uh, from Brian, who's talking about NAD, that NAD supplementation reduces neuroinflammation and cell senescence in a transgenic mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. So uh, Brian's saying this brand new study sounds promising. I'm wondering if other studies have made similar discoveries. I'm interested because wait, wait, of the history. This, this was nicotinamide riboside? This is NAD supplementation. But not, do you, did they specify which form? No, just NAD Oh, supplementation. I'd have to look at the study to see yeah. what they're using. Yeah, But, you know, here, part of the problem is there is, hmm. there's a, on Twitter, there's a website, not a website, there's a Twitter handle entitled In Mice Only. <laughs> and it, keep, it, it, it enumerates all the studies in which yeah. we're, we're curing spinal cord injuries, we're making mice who have you know, paralysis or walking again, mice with, with Alzheimer's disease are like, you know, yeah. behaving like young mice, you know, uh, mice that are like aged and decrepit are like jumping around like, you know, like in mm-hmm. the movie Cocoon. Yes. You know? I remember that movie. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it's, and there, so it, the point being is that we have made a lot of uh, advances, mm-hmm. seemingly, in treating mice mm-hmm. who are <laughs> genetically very similar, but not identical to humans. And then right. we have to take the next step. Can we extrapolate that to humans? Exactly. Now, I think that's promising. Yeah. And I really do believe that supporting NAD is going to be part of what's going to help uh, Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease. Well, Brian is interested because of the history of Alzheimer's in my family, he right. says. I just turned 70 and I fast two days a week, plus I take Propax and niacin, 500 milligrams daily. Okay. Niacin is a B3, so... Yeah. That's helpful. That's helpful. Well, you know, we we can sometimes beef up an anti-aging program based on your genetics. I mean, sometimes it's worth looking at whether you have the genetic proclivity to um, Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's and then... Go full court press if that's the case. I mean, just because right. you have family members who have it doesn't mean you have inherited it. Pre-COVID. That's true. That's yeah. true. And I would also uh, remind uh, Brian that Alzheimer's is kind of being called diabetes of the brain right. or insulin resistance of the brain. Uh, it would be helpful if you read Dr. David Perlmutter's book, Grain Brain, to start. Uh, that could be that Or could Dr. Be Bredesen's book. Or Dr. Dale Bredesen's book, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Good point at which to pause because we want to allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital message with you. So here goes. Listen up. Did you know that olive oil is at its peak of flavor and nutrition right after it's fresh pressed at harvest time? That's why my favorite olive oil is delivered to me direct from the latest harvest thanks to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and as a listener of Intelligent Medicine, you can try a bottle of their finest artisanal olive oil, normally $39, for just $1 with no obligation to buy anything else. I've been enjoying these Harvest Fresh olive oils for years. They are far and away the brightest, most lively, and flavorful olive oils I've ever tasted. Their antioxidants and polyphenols are off the charts because they're fresh from the harvest. They make store-bought olive oils taste dull and flat by comparison. Taste for yourself. Check out this generous trial offer and get your $39 bottle for a buck with no obligation to buy anything else. Visit MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. In my case, it truly is. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. What's next? Oh, we've got a question about the COVID vaccine. This is from Michael. No. That's <laughs> yeah. the first time. Yeah, that's the first time. Right. Greetings. I hope you and your loved ones are well. My industry is now requiring workers to be vaccinated. I respect Dr. Hoffman's opinion and wondered if he thinks they are safe. Is one safer than the others? Well, as Thank I so, so often say, you know, uh, answering that question is a little like trying to handicap the Kentucky Derby after the first furlong. You know, the horses that are in the lead may end up dropping into the backfield, you know, after the, you know, the first turn. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, right now it appears that all the vaccines have uh, certain side effects um, and mm-hmm. they, they differ uh, with mm-hmm. the AstraZeneca. You get more uh, blood clots. But you can get blood clots with the other ones. Yeah. Uh, you can get myocarditis with Pfizer and probably Moderna. Uh, mm-hmm. You can get, uh, and I've, you know, I've seen some of the side effects in our patients. Yes. And I'm not, you know, imagining that, that you know, side no, effects can occur. No, we've seen it firsthand. But on yeah. the other hand, the vast majority of people say they're fine. Yeah. Um, I will point out that, uh, you know, I you, you saw our newsletter this week, uh, which is going out today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And because uh, we proofread it together. Yes. And, you know, there, I, I did uh, find a very interesting article which talks about the uh, this phenomenon where some people say, you know, I didn't feel anything when I took the vaccine. Maybe I got a dud huh. or maybe my immune system isn't good. I mean, I should have had some reaction. Yeah. You know, and other people say, like, oh, man, I was knocked out. Oh, that's good because you had a really strong reaction. Boy, that you're going to have a long lasting immunity. Yeah. Well, they tested that out relatively small study, a couple hundred uh, subjects, and uh, they found that, not surprisingly, the older you were, the less side effects you had, you know, because people have immunosenescence. They, yes. Their immunity wanes as they age. Yeah. Uh, women had more side effects, but yeah. women tend to be smaller, and it's a one-size-fits-all Oh, that's right. You know, so you're like... Whether three, you're 130 or 180 pounds, it's, you're getting what, the same it, dose. 350 pounds, you get the same. Yeah. It's the same. That's why I'm a little concerned. You administer the same vaccine to a little itsy-bitsy kid. Maybe right. not so good. But yeah. uh, that being the case, more women have side effects. But what they found is there was no correlation between side effects and the presence of antibodies a month later. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, that's a short-term study. Then maybe the antibodies wane faster in people who didn't have a reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really... 
you know, also the, it does not talk about events. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is long-term studies that correlate people's experience with a vaccine to whether they get a breakthrough infection. Mm. You know, and that that would that's that involves like following you know eight, twelve, eighteen months later. You yeah. Know? Um, so we don't know which vaccine is best or least harmful. Um, it appears J&J is a little less effective, but now they're talking about J&J may really should have been a two-shot vaccine. And J&J has submitted data saying that once you get a second J&J, you get really good immune protection. Hmm. Um, so the same dose all over again as a second shot? Yeah, I guess. Wow. But, you know, they're, they're playing around with doses and mm-hmm. uh, the Moderna is a little stronger than the yeah. uh, Pfizer. Um, but, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges a little bit. Well, now let me open up a little bit of a box of worms. Yeah. What about the latest of, well, you should get a booster shot, but no. What journal said just recently, you don't need the booster shot or you may not need the booster you shot? Know, I think there's, I think there's, science and medicine are a little cross purposes here. On the one hand, you have yeah. what are called public health officials. And public health officials are, they have an allegiance to public health. Yeah. And they want to go full court press. It's like, get the booster out. Everybody take a booster. And then you have the very conservative scientists mm-hmm. who are trained in the scientific method, yeah. which is skeptical. And they say, we're all for boosters, but we really have to prove very yeah. carefully that they're safe and effective. And then people on the public policy side are saying, we can't wait for you. This is a terrible crisis. We've got to hurry up and give everybody boosters. Right. Because there are breakthrough infections. We're seeing that in Israel, which is a little bit ahead of us in yeah. terms of the, of the pandemic. And they were the most vaccinated. Highly they vaccinated. were the first right. country to be... Highly vaccinated. Yeah. And yet there's a lot of breakthrough infections. They're, they do involve hospitalizations. Here's another wrinkle to the hospitalization story. And I, I just read it today. Um, study was done mm-hmm. of what is a hospitalization for COVID. So they, they talk about there's lots of hospitalizations for COVID. The hospitals are crowded with COVID cases. Well, many of them really are very sick. Some die. Sure. But what they've discovered is that as the pandemic matures, more people are being hospitalized with less severe COVID infections. Yeah. In addition, they, and we've known this for a while, is that they will diagnose you as having COVID when you arrive at the hospital with a multiplicity of things. Yes. If you test positive for COVID, yes, you maybe COVID is incidental to why you ended up in the and hospital. And everybody who's winding up in a hospital is being tested for COVID, right? No matter what you're, exactly. even from a motorcycle accident, yes, yes. you're still being tested for so COVID. So then you're considered COVID. Yeah, but you know, like a scenario might be somebody with congestive heart failure, bout of congestive heart failure. Oh, yeah. and they test positive for COVID. Well, is it you know, is it their 29th admission for congestive heart failure? And they just happen to have COVID now? Mm. Or did COVID precipitate the congestive heart failure? It's not clear. Yeah. So um, what they're saying is there's a little bit of a, shall we say, great inflation in terms of the statistics. Okay. That we are seeing, you know, they're saying that about a third of the hospitalizations are mild, that may not have been really, you, you didn't need to be hospitalized. But in an abundance of caution, they put you in the hospital um, and treated you and yeah. a lot of these people didn't require anything but a little nasal oxygen and then they sent them home. Mm. Wow. But you know, also there's a, there's a reimbursement uh, incentive. If you were diagnosed as having COVID, it's good for the hospitals. They can code it as a COVID admission yes. and they get more money. 
I just saw a flyer uh, from uh, Democratic Party something, uh, AOC, was saying if you can get on the death certificate that it was a COVID-related death, you get some kind of a payout. Of it's, it's like a nine nine thousand dollars. It's like a nine eleven thing. Yeah. you know, it's like yeah, sign up for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm getting messages on my phone from dis- disaster relief services uh, from FEMA saying, "Did the flood impact you? Do you need oh. to apply for?" No, I just had to remove a little linoleum. But well, wait a minute. Yeah, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe I can apply for this. Did you keep we those didn't receipts? Have a disaster. Did you keep the receipts from? Uh... <laughs> we didn't buy new linoleum yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh well, my goodness! Get some really nice linoleum. Sure. Hey, get... I'll get some porcelain tile. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll get some guys to do it Maybe. rather than my husband Wait. doing it. Entertainment center, flat screen TV. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. oh, absolutely. That's going to be the great room. It is the great room. <laughs> yeah. It's a great room. It's a great All room. Right. It. Let's not go there. <laughs> okay. Uh, pardon our sardonic uh, uh, view of the politics at large. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Mutin. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla. And we'll be right back with more. <laughs>